someone like me, so statistically, I'm a Nigerian girl, moved to the UK. Half these things are not meant to happen to me or for me. I've been very blessed. Every day I'm just like, seriously, like what's going on? Even I'm still in a, I'm in a constant <laughs> feeling of just gratitude and awe. And the very least I can do is to try to make as many people as possible feel this wonderful feeling I'm feeling. Hello and welcome to the Women of the Future podcast, a podcast made in collaboration with the Women of the Future programme, a platform built to unlock a culture of kindness and collaboration among leaders, as well as support and celebrate the successes of women. I'm Kim Rowell and I won the media category at their awards in 2018, in recognition of my continued work as a commissioner, producer and children's author, particularly within the mental health remit. I'll be talking to my guests on this podcast about their careers, who or what gave them their first big break, their successes, failures and inspirations along the way, and how they came to be a part of the Women of the Future Network. Dinola Oladapo has been described as a young woman with a bold vision, passionate about representing diversity as well as youth social action alongside her full-time role in finance and international advocacy. She is the founder of Luton Lights, an initiative designed to motivate and inspire girls in the town in which she grew up. Determined to transform any negative rhetoric associated with the area by creating opportunities in Luton for girls aged 11 and above, Luton Lights provides free and representative career mentorships, workshops and courses that acknowledge and develop the potential of young women. With no external funding, Danola moved back to her family home in 2017 so that she could save money to run the project. Yet Danola's social action is not limited to the Luton area. She is a Girls 20 Global Ambassador, a member of the Commonwealth Youth Peace Ambassadors Network, and she sits on the hashtag I Will Fund Leadership Board. At the Girls 20 Summit in 2017, Danola worked with young female ambassadors from all over the world to build a policy document on migration, climate change and digitalisation, holding the G20 world leaders accountable to their 2014 pledge to create 100 million new jobs for women by 2025. I met up for a coffee with this quite remarkable woman. Basically, I'm born in Nigeria and my family moved to the UK when I was 11. So we moved to Luton and that's where I grew up. Went to high school and, you know, did my education up until uni in the area. So yeah, that's one of the key reasons why I feel, well, because I still live in Luton right now, and that's one of the key reasons why I made an organisation called Luton Lights, because I wanted to have a positive impact on the young women who are in my local community in Luton. So tell me more about your family. Are they, is it a big family? Do you have brothers and sisters? And also, how did you come to, because that's a big move, isn't it, coming from Nigeria to the UK? Yeah. What instigated that move? Yeah, so... My family moved to the UK for economic opportunity. My mum wanted us to have a better education and they wanted us to just have a better life. And that's just the key reason why we moved. And, you know, my family, um, the four of us, I'm the eldest of, of the children. <laughs> um, so, yes, I've got a sister who's um, studying chemical engineering in Sheffield. I've got another sister who's doing her GCSEs. And we've got our baby, my brother, who's just finished his year six sets. So it's quite a big age range, and I'm 24. I'm working at Goldman at the moment. So we've got a big age sort of gap between us all. And we're a family of six, but our extended family is huge. So my mum's got 
about ten siblings and they all have kids now and so we've got so many I don't even know how many cousins I have and let's not even get started on my dad's side of the family. So it's just a very big family and it's always nice, you know, Christmas and birthdays it's always nice to be around people and you know, that sense of community. Yeah. Were they all in Luton? Is that why you moved there? Or what was the reason to kind of settle in Luton? No, so actually most of my family are in Nigeria. Um, I do have some family in London but we don't have any other family in Luton. I'm actually not too sure why exactly um, we ended up in Luton, but I think at the time my mum, by, by the time we moved to the UK, um, my mum knew somebody in Luton, and that was where we kind of stayed the first time to get to sort of get our feet on the ground until we started to like explore the area, and then we got into a school in Luton, and then we eventually looked into our own place to, to live in Luton. Mm. So yeah. And you already, we've spoken before, and you learned English a little bit when you were in Nigeria. Did you speak yeah. it fluently? Oh no, it, yeah. yeah, like yeah. I got speaking English. Um, um, Nigeria is an Anglophone country, so completely was speaking English. Like we also ah, spoke okay. English before we came to the UK, but obviously the differences in accents and things like that. But me and my siblings were still in junior school at that point, so we were feeling a bit, you know, self-conscious about mm. accents and things like that. But no, um, immediately I came. I think I was in year six at that point because my my um, reading was so good. I think I was like on the top set of um, the reading, but I was just so oh, shy because cool. um, I was. So I was born of a stutter, and at that age, my stutter was still very bad. Actually, it was bad up until sixth form, and it was an inheritory one because my dad also has a stutter, so I would have to sort of stump to get words out. Mm. So I found it, because I love to talk, <laughs> and I found it difficult, you know, it was difficult to express myself, and I was always embarrassed in school when you're like, uh, 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 you know, stuttering. Yeah. But I always put myself up with things like debates in society and things like that, so it was almost like asking for it in a way. Did that help you overcome it? Or did you actually have proper treatment as I had, well? I had to have yeah. speech therapy because when I got to um, sixth form, um, I put myself up to be house captain. Mm. I got interviewed and I got it. And they were like, you do know you're going to have to do 20 minute long assemblies every two weeks. And I said, yeah. And, you know, my teachers at the point, they're like, we, we know you're confident. We know you're, you're fine. By the way, I wasn't confident, but I guess that's just how it came across. But then we just want to suggest you, because, you know, students can be mean. And they were, mm. and I think for my own interest as well, they said, you know what, we don't mind if you just, you know, start to actually reach out for professional help at this point and then that's when I did some speech therapy and learned different techniques so the fact that I'm able to do this podcast right now and speak right now without stuttering I still have fits occasionally but it's already a massive step for me anyway. Do you think that was part of the reasoning why you put yourself forward for these things, was to push yeah. yourself? Is that yes. something that's inherent in you, to kind of challenge yourself? And... Maybe, maybe, because looking back at everything now, in retrospect, I think I just love to speak, I like to express myself, and it was embarrassing, you know, people laughing at you, and you know, knowing that you're trying to get something out, it's frustrating trying to get words out and not being able to, but I think my desire to express myself and to try to be heard was greater than the embarrassment right. I felt from um, people's opinions. And even, even sometimes, you know, you even get family me members and mm. things like people close to you will be like, oh, Daniela, you know, because I really wanted to talk all the time <laughs> from, from a young age. But um, the stutter was bad. <laughs> I was very bad at that point. So you already alluded to it. You set up a fantastic organisation <laughs> yeah. called Luton Lights, but also... <laughs> You were quite determined to get rid of any negative rhetoric around Luton in particular, weren't yeah, you? And yeah, was yeah. Luton Lights, obviously that's your way of doing that, isn't it? But yeah. tell us more about it and what it is and what you do as part of it. Because yes. it's quite incredible, you can't downplay that. <laughs> um, so, you know, growing up in Luton, that's all we knew, besides Lagos, 
at Luton, I, you know, I didn't live in any other cities, really. So I didn't really, I, th I thought this was what the UK was. <laughs> um, but really, when I went to university, I went to Barrow Hollow University in Egham, you know, I experienced a different life there. And I got to explore a different part of the UK and I started to realise, okay, everywhere in the UK is not idiosyncratic, opportunities are not the same everywhere, socioeconomics are not exactly the same all over the UK. Okay, and then I graduated, started working in London, I saw a different life, in, in, you know, very different to my life in Luton, very different to my life in Egham. And then when I started to get international opportunities, so for example, in 2017, I was uh, selected to be UK ambassador for this amazing NGO called Girls 20. So basically just focusing on economic empowerment of women and girls across the world. You know, getting to travel and see different ways of life. Then I started to research a bit more and then started to, you know, look at league tables of schools and see, okay, so some schools in Luton are very much towards the bottom of the league tables. Socioeconomics are not quite the same in Luton as we might expect. And then I started to see some polls online where Luton was being voted as worst place to live in the UK and things like that. And then it dawned on me that actually, do people, the young people, especially, specifically the girls in Luton, do they have the same opportunities as their counterparts in other parts of the country? There's an, obviously a massive gap here. Mm. And we need to take action because at the end of the day, if Okay, looking back at my life in Luton, what do I wish I had growing up in Luton? What w what would have made my ride to where I am now, you know, a bit smoother? And I think it's incumbent. I feel it's incumbent on me to to try to do something about that. So what did you do? Tell us what you did. So I created Luton lights, and you know, I'm really about a year and a bit old. So you know, we've not been. <laughs> around how did, how did you start? Did you literally just? Say to your mum or your friends yeah. or whoever, I've got this great idea. So I had the idea, I made the plans um, and everything. But if I was waiting for the right time to start this organisation, I'm telling you, by now we will still not have started. Because <laughs> I, I just knew I wanted to create opportunities. I wanted to do workshops. I wanted to do school assemblies. I wanted to do trips. But I've been able to do these things now. But at the time, you know, where to begin? And who's even going to want to do this? You know, I was trying to reach out to, to, to my own high school that I went to. I couldn't even get through to anyone. You know, <laughs> trying to reach out to teachers. Do you remember me? You know, mm. it, it gets to a point in time where it's just like, something. I just have to do something because if I'm waiting for the perfect time, it's not going to happen. So how did, how, did did you get through, how did you get through to them? Yeah, so basically what I did was, I just put a date and just said, you know what, we're going to have a Luton Lights launch on this date. I booked the community centre, Dallas Red Community, community Centre. And I remember it was in March... And I just started, I, I made a post, I started sharing it online and just saying, and at this point I didn't say this is, a, this is an event I want you to come. My objective for that particular event as the launch was, I want women in Luton to come and tell me what they want. Because I don't want to stay here and impose my view of, okay, this is what I, yeah, of course this is what I wish I had and all these things. But I just want to be one of the voices because it's meant to be, it's meant to be for the people and I want it to, to be, what do they want to happen in our town, in our city? So that's what I did and I just spread it far and wide of course mm. you know I called my 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 aunties my <laughs> my cousins my sister's friends you know you have to start from those who you know they'll definitely yeah. support you and I just said you, you know what just come just please come invite your friends and try to talk to my own networks at the same time shared on social media and try to get new people to come in mm. and um that day was awesome I remember so much because this is in March but it was 
filled, Luton was filled with snow oh. and people were saying, oh, change the day, change the day and in the morning. But I, I, I just kept thinking, so many people, I've, I've shared leaflets and stuff, what yeah. if people turn up still, we have to still do it, we'll have more events, but let's just, let me just see who turns up. So at this point I'm thinking no one's going to come because the weather was so bad. Even it was, for us to get to Dallary that day was difficult. Oh. And then... I started getting all the texts in the morning. Sorry, I wish I could make it, but the weather, I can't make it. I'm so sorry. So my heart was already just like, uh. but then the room in the community center was actually ended up being full. Amazing. There were people who actually didn't know who did come. And it was there I you know, introduced myself and everything and the little team of volunteers I had at the time. But people started to give their opinions. What do we need in Luton? And you know, we had a real amazing yeah. time there and I really felt like it was the start of something great. So that's my memory of it. But, but it's not a charity, is it? You actually, yeah. <laughs> you moved home so you mm. could fund this yourself. Basically, yeah. I moved to Luton, um, so it was quite strategic because, of course, when I'm going, because I have been doing the school assemblies and things, when I go there, I think there's something powerful about saying, you know what, I'm from Luton and I'm still here mm. and this is what I've been able to do with I'm my on your wavelength, yeah. Honestly, and anything you want to do with you know we're we're both in this city let's you know help each other grow so i really wanted to be, to speak from that authentic point of view as well as you know moving back home actually was very good for me as well to actually live with my mom to move back home to live with my mom because so with all these things i do i also do some work as a uk coordinator of the commonwealth youth peace ambassadors network i'm on the leadership board of the uk wolf fund uh, i've got my full-time job at goldman sachs and finance i do quite a few things and sometimes you just really need that grounding at home when you come home just you know so i i've really valued even for my own mental health and everything being back Home with my mom, but yes, I, I, I do fund Luton Lights because we're not a charity, uh, we're just a project, and you know, sometimes the costs add up. You know, even every year having to pay for the maintenance of our website, uh, refreshments at mm. the community center, booking the space, um, transport for people, the costs do add up. But I have to say, I always say this even if it's just for one that one girl who just by something we post online or back up into our workshop just says, you know what, well, I wasn't thinking about STEM before or politics or any male-dominated field, but now I am. Even if it's just for that, everything will be worth it, 100%. 100%. And it's not just that either. You, you've taken them to the Facebook headquarters, you've taken them to Parliament, you've <laughs> really the broadened their horizons, like, haven't you? I feel like, honestly, there's something about being able to to be somewhere and envision it. You know, I can tell you, do you know what? If you were at the top of the London Eye, you can see a lot of things and you could be like, whoa, that's really cool. But then when you're on top of that London Eye and you can see these things for yourself, it's different. Mm. It's not the same. So I can, you know, we do, we do tell them in, in the workshops, like, of course you can do this, you can do that, you can do this, that's great. But I think there's something about taking them on these trips, as you said, we've gone to Parliament, we've gone to Facebook and meeting women who they can look up to, who have, you know, made that journey who were in lead leadership positions and they're able to speak to these women, they were able to ask them questions. I think there's something about that that's just, you know, you can just feel it. That It just has a, such a great impact. A tangible excitement. Exactly, exactly. I mean, again, you've already kind of alluded to this, but you <laughs> you not just, obviously, Luton Lights, that's part of it. There's so yeah. much more to what you do. You do yeah. Girl 20, Global Am your Ambassador for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the I Will Fund Leadership Board. Mm. You do so, so much, don't you? Mm. And also, like you say, you, ha you have a nine to five. You work yeah, at Goldman Sachs in um, finance. Nine to five on a good day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the hours can, can, yes. can be a bit longer than that sometimes. <laughs> but you're also 
just about to go to China. I am. For I'm year. so excited. So, yes, I've been selected to be part of the 2020 cohort of the Schwarzman Scholarship in Beijing in China. I've never been to this part of the world before. I am just so excited to... Because what, what I love about this program is more than just a master's degree, and, and it's a very generous scholarship, but it's, it also includes some practical leadership training. So I feel like by the time I come back, I would have just developed so much as a leader, as a person, and I would have just had you know, a lot more experiences, and I think it would really help me to apply myself better to, to the different projects that I will be doing at the time. That sounds fantastic. And yeah. as far as a career is concerned, obviously yours is very, very varied, mm-hmm. but who or what would you say gave you your first career break? Was it a situation or was it a person? Mm-hmm. Or Honestly, I will always shout out Royal Holloway University of London for giving me my first break because I did not get my predicted grades. On results day, I was just in bits, in tears. Like, I was calling up different unis trying to get in because I my, my, my grades were just so far away from my predicted grades. And, you know, I didn't see it coming. I, I just remember that day just being so painful. I'll never, ever forget. It was even my brother's birthday and we went to go to Legoland. And I was like, I'm oh, not going to Legoland, oh, okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going. Legoland for you means like, a lot more yes, than just every, Like, every, yeah. everyone had to go to Legoland and I was just at home trying to sort out my university. <laughs> uh, where am I going to go? Am I going to go? Am I going to just do year 13 again? But... So they accepted you? To, yes, yeah. just, just when I was about to give up, I just get, you know, the email. And they were my insurance to begin with, but I was, I was just in a bit of a limbo state before they finally said, you know, you know what, you didn't get grades, but you can come. Mm. And at that moment, I just made the choice in my heart, like, you know what, when I go to this uni, I'm going to try really, really hard. Mm. And when I got to uni, I got involved, not just because of that, because I wanted to as well, I got involved in so many things. Yeah. I was economics ambassador, student ambassador, treasurer of investment and trading society, SU officer. <laughs> I was president of the African Caribbean Society, black and ethnic minority officer. I was doing a lot of things and I still managed to get first class. So I'm like, I, I don't know, I, I think I just had the full so that, university experience. Yeah. So that, but that failure gave you the kick yeah. up the bum that exactly. just accelerated you off on exactly. this trajectory into the stratosphere, essentially. And, and it even changed my view on what failure even is because, yeah. you know, I was rejected, quote unquote, from my first choice uni and, you know, understandably so, I didn't get the grades, cool. But actually one closed door is another open door Mm. so and if I didn't even get to this university or even if that didn't happen I just believe that there's always a way of course I understand that for some people that way is a lot more uphill than others and it's incumbent upon people who now have the opportunity or have been able to experience certain things to try to make the ride easier for, for other people so how did you first hear about Women of the Future? And how did you yeah. get involved? Did someone, someone nominated you, didn't they? So, or pointed you in the right direction? Yes, pointed me. Yeah. So basically, last year, one of my mentors, her name's Vivian Anano, I basically imposed my menteeship upon her. <laughs> I found her on Instagram. Did you stalk her, Tanola? You know, <laughs> unashamedly so, I did that. And, you know, I emailed her and I told her I just loved her and I wanted her to mentor me. And, you know, to cut the long story short, yes, she did. And she basically just said, sent, sent me a, a link and said, you know, you should apply for this. 
So I looked at it and I just thought, oh my goodness, I'm not even going to, like, no one's, who's going to, who's going to actually even accept me? Like, why would I apply for this? I'm obviously not going to get it. Mm. But, you know, just out of, like, my excitement and just humility that someone would even think I had a shot, I thought, you know what, I'll do this for, for Viv, I'll do this for Vivian. She's not just someone, though. She works for the UN, doesn't she? She is, and she's an amazing advocate for women and girls across the world. She advocates for, for the education of girls, and that's something, that's one of the reasons why I was so, like, so attracted to her career. Um, but basically, yeah, I did. And then when I got shortlisted, it was just surprise after surprise after surprise. And I'll never, ever forget sitting on that table on the awards day next to my mom. And her eyes were just, when my name was called, she was frozen on the spot. And I was like, Mom, record this, record this, like, so she could record my, my speech. And I came back, when I came back, I was like, Mom, where's the video? Where's the picture? And she was just like, like, so she didn't record anything. There was no picture, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, mom!" I'm sure she because yeah. I was sitting on the table just along from you. Yeah, and I'm sure she shrieked, didn't she? Like, like she did. Like, she did. She did. And then I think that sort of just set her off because when you won your award, she she was like ah, screaming as well. I think she was just extremely excited that that night for, for so many That's reasons. She popped her cork by that yeah, point, and it was like, point, I love everybody. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, but she but she um, but she was really excited and she still brings it up she was like i was sitting shoulder to shoulder with so many wonderful people i'm like oh my gosh mom bless her (laughs) she she, she, she always brings it up it was like you know one of the highlights ever okay Okay, i have some quick fire questions cool what would you describe as your greatest success greatest success oh i don't know but I, i would say on the international day of the girl last year on the coach going to um, Parliament on Facebook, with, I think about we had about 50 girls going, and some, I could hear the girls chatting at the back of the coach saying, oh, what do they even do at Facebook? Do we even have a female prime minister? Oh, do we? And you know, mm. this kind of questions. And then on the coach back, hearing them saying stuff like, I'm going to work at Facebook one day, or I want to run for office, I want to be MP of Luton. And I'm like, yes! Yeah. You know? It was just that, like, I didn't, and no one you know, said, you should do this. They just experienced it. They actually had the opportunity to see what it was like. Yeah. And they got to make their own decision. And I just thought, you know what? That's the whole reason. This is, yeah. number one, everything of what... This is what dreams are made of. No. <laughs> this is what life is all about. <laughs> and your greatest failure? Greatest failure... You know, I don't like to think about things like that. As I said, every door closed is another door open. I would say, what I, looking back at my life, what I would have thought was my greatest failure was just, you know, failing, or not failing, but not getting good GCSEs G- um, G- or even A-levels. Mm. But honestly, everything's happened there we're supposed to, and I'm just glad with where I am at the moment. Yeah, I think I've heard you speak before, and you said there's not, you know, success and failure, there's success and fear. Yeah, honestly, I really believe this. Everyone says, oh, you know, the opposite of success is failure, but I really believe the opposite of success is fear. Because if you don't do something, nothing happens if you're too afraid to try something nothing happens the last thing i would want is for me to be at a certain position and just think oh i should have done this but i was too Mm. nervous no way no way you know feel the fear and do it anyway do it anyway i think also i had um nicola mendelson speak at one of the uh, women of the future events Mm -hmm. a lady from facebook and she said that women in meetings mm-hmm. should speak up absolutely like don't be afraid to sound stupid yeah, just have yeah. your say i think almost every woman i've spoken to will tell me like you know they always feel the imposter syndrome mm. where you know they're like oh my gosh why am i here what yeah. am i doing here oh no you know and it's such a relatable feeling because i'm sure everyone's been in that position at some point but it's important that we speak up even if not for ourselves but for those coming after us mm. yeah exactly 
And the mantra of Women of the Future is kindness and collaboration. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Honestly, it just means community. It's about passing on the baton. It's about appreciating the opportunities that we receive but then having this feeling and this sort of excitement to create opportunities for others. It's, it's, it's about appreciating what, what you have but with thinking about what you can do for other people. Yeah, that, that's what it's all about. Has it changed your life? Honestly, yeah. Yeah. And like someone like me, so statistically, I'm a Nigerian girl, moved to the UK, so British Nigerian. Um, statistically, half these things are not meant to happen to me or for me. I've been very blessed. Every day I'm just like, seriously, like what's going on? Even I'm still in a, I'm in a constant <laughs> um, feeling of just gratitude and awe. And the very least I can do is to basically try to make as many people as possible feel this wonderful feeling I'm feeling. You say you're blessed, but you work remarkably hard, <laughs> don't you? I mean, do you get sleep? Do you get to sleep? I mean, how do you balance it all out? Because obviously you were talking mm. earlier about your own mental health. How do, yeah. you, do you look after yourself and make sure yeah. that you're those moments of self-care, really? Yeah, I think, you know, there's always room for improvement in everything. There's always room for improvement. And in life, you, you have the highs and you have the highs, OK? <laughs> the highs and the other highs. But um, it's just one of those things where... All in all, I'm grateful. My, my faith keeps me grounded. You know, I go to church every Sunday. I'm quite involved in church as well. And actually, something fun I do at church, I coach um, the teenage girls' choir. Mm. And, oh. <laughs> and you know, things like, like that just brings a smile to my face. And I think pe people are built differently. I think I'm built for the life I'm living. And um, I feel fulfilled. I feel happy. So you can sing as well. I don't know if I can sing, but I <laughs> encourage those that can to to definitely express sing. Express themselves. <laughs> to express yeah. themselves, exactly. Um, actually, fun fact, um, when I couldn't speak properly, one of the key tricks in uh, speech therapy for um, stammerers is to sing cause yeah. you, because no one can stutter while they sing. So they're like, maybe if you talk in a sing song voice, ah, and I had to do that for a while oh, really? to actually be able to now get words out properly. So interesting because over yeah. here, I don't know if you watch Pop Idol. Did you watch that? With Gareth Gates was on it, and he. Oh yes, yeah, yes, he, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he because of the, his audition was famous because yeah. he walked in, and he couldn't say who he was, and yeah, then he but had then the saying, voice yeah. of an angel when he mm -hmm. opened his mouth. So that's really interesting. Didn't yeah, you know that? that is. So we've already spoken about fear or touched on it. Is there anything else or anything? Wouldn't there wasn't really anything that scared you? But is there anything that scares you? Oh my gosh, everything can be scary. I try not to be scared of things, but I mean. I still walk into you know meetings and I'm just overwhelmed like oh my gosh who am I like mm. what what am I doing here what do I have to offer that happens a lot you know sometimes when we have events only two people turn up and sometimes it's great we have 50 people so there's always that nervousness like is anyone going to show up you know I'm trying to do all of these things but is anyone actually really engaging with it yeah. is it actually making the impact I want it to make is it just, is just just what I think would be great or is it actually what yeah. the young women need so I'm in a constant and it's not a fear it's just like constant checking myself like and then of course get it to meet amazing people and I just I, I just freeze on the inside <laughs> I'm just like oh my Pinch goodness yourself. yeah and you know all of these are opportunities to just crawl back in, into like, like my comfort zone hole but also it's an opportunity to just blossom so hopefully we'll be blossoming more than I'm crawling away <laughs> <laughs> and is there anything left 
on your to-do list? Oh my gosh, yes. everything, everything is on the table. <laughs> you're so young as well, you're 23? I'm 24 now. 24. So, oh, that's old then. 24, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> no, everything is on the table. I mean, what, what have I even done, honestly? Uh, like what haven't you done it might be easier to list that no no there's so many things i haven't done there's so many things there's so much room for improvement there's so many more things to learn and i really hope my masters will, will, will be a step in that mm. right direction to really give me that grounding in international development to explore new cultures oh gosh there's just so so much to do and that's exciting mm. it's exciting i'm so glad i have the opportunity to be able to explore these things and it covers leadership we need Absolutely. a prime minister oh gosh <laughs> is that the kind of thing though or is that mm. a million miles away i don't i don't even know because i'm interested in politics and international development but yeah i'm more interested in the international development aspect mm. of, of things so i think like my dream job would be maybe working in the world bank or the international monetary fund where you know I, i'm an economist i study economics yeah. where i can apply those sort of economic principles but then to um ultimately make sure that people have a fairer ride in life so to elevate poverty and to work to make sure that there's less of a gap between the rich and the poor across the world i think that's something that would be really cool <laughs> job to have at some point in the future but i mean in the interim i'm open i'm open i'm just excited to learn um and just to try to make a positive impact as best as i can you are amazing you know i feel like a fan girl you the whole way through this podcast so thank you so I'm much you. <laughs> thank you so much for your time thank you, you are a wonderful person you're a wonderful person <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Women of the Future podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a rating and review? You know you want to. For more about the Women of the Future Awards, network and initiative, please visit www.womenofthefuture.co.uk. See you soon.